We're watching the weather. And the weather reporter tells us that snow is anticipated. We don't know how much. We never do. It could be a half inch. It could be three inches. Then they turn to the reporter who's in the local grocery store. Showing all of the empty shelves where bread used to be. And all the empty cases where milk used to be. Southerners heard the word snow and knew that they were supposed to go to the grocery store and get bread and milk. Why? <laughs> what recipe have you ever seen that says, take one gallon of milk, <laughs> add one loaf of bread? What, what recipe has that? But for whatever reason, Southerners are now trained if it is snowing anywhere, go and get milk and bread. Bread is one of the most common things in our lives. We use it as slang for the things that we need. It is frustrating to be in a house and woe be unto you if you are the last one home and you didn't stop for bread. To have to face that storm without bread. <laughs> With just peanut butter and just jelly and no bread. But you know the sad thing about that? Is that some of you will walk out of here into the storm of your life and you won't have picked up the bread. So Jesus reminds us in the sixth chapter of John's gospel. Stand with me in honor of God's word as we read this story together. After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee and a huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. And Jesus went up on a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. So when Jesus looked up and noticed the huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so that all of these people can eat? Jesus asked this to test them for he himself. He himself already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have just a little. And one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, now there's a boy who has five barley loaves and two pieces of fish, but what are they among so many? Have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place, so they all sat down. The men numbered there were about 5,000. And then Jesus took the loaves and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so along with the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were full, he told his disciples, collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. And so they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces for the barley loaves and that were left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that, they had, that he had done, they said, truly, this is the prophet who's come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus realized that they were about to come, and to take him by force to make him king. 
he withdrew again into the mountain by himself. Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. A couple of pieces of bread, a couple of pieces of fish, and thousands of people were fed. You never ask, O oh Lord, for what we don't have. You always simply ask for what we do have. And so we offer that now in this moment, trusting that you will be able to do more than we ever can imagine. And we pray this in your name. When you study the Gospels, one of the things that you understand, or one of the things, one of the first things that you pick up is there is one story that is told in all four Gospels, just one, and it is this one. Now, you would think there would be other stories that would be more exciting, just as exciting, more compelling, that the, the writers of the Gospels would want to be able to tell their people. For me, it would be the, the raising of Lazarus. I don't know why the raising of Lazarus isn't in every Gospel. That had to be the coolest moment of all. But it's not. You see, I've told you before that all of these stories of Jesus were like photographs that were just kind of stuffed into a drawer. And each gospel writer reached into that, that drawer and pulled out these pictures and laid them out and said, these are the stories, these are the things about Jesus that my people need to hear. And every one of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, picked this story. Jesus feeding the 5,000. Jesus passing out bread. Jesus handing out fish. Why? Why this story of all the stories? Probably because of its simplicity. Now, here, here's what I mean by that. Most of us have a hard time putting one foot in front of the other. We have days where it's difficult to put one foot in front of the other. One of the things that's coming out of this pandemic and the reaction to the pandemic is people are worn out. People are threadbare. And they'll interview parents and who's just been told that they're not going to have school for another two or three weeks. And the parents will say, I, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. Uh, you're talking about people who are having to work from home or different ways. And, and, you know, the guy's trying to type at a computer and kids are crawling under his legs. And he'll turn to the reporter and he'll say, I just don't know if I can do this much longer. I just don't know if I can do this much longer. We don't know if we're going to be able to sustain our life. We're going to crumble. We're going to break. And yet we have this story where all four of the gospel writers want you to know this one basic thing. Jesus stains you. 
It is Jesus who sustains you. It is Jesus who allows you to put one foot in front of the other to keep on going no matter how hard the day is. Now, isn't that a beautiful statement? Don't you just want to cross stitch it, put it on your refrigerator? How does that happen? How does that work? It works in your prayer time to begin with. Okay, some of you get up and you look at your to-do list. Some of you get up and look at your PDA. Some of you get up and look at all the things you have to do. Let me give you a word of advice. Don't look at anything until you look at God's word. Don't say anything until you speak those words in prayer. Now, what happens in those prayers? First, God tells you who you are. This is your name. This is who you are. We live in a world that wants to name you something else, that wants to give you your identity. The world doesn't know you. How in the world does the world know who you are? Because it was in creation where the thought of God of who you would be became the person that God intended for you to be. I tell you this all the time. God did not look at you and kind of go like, you know, when, like, when we do things, right? When we do something around the house and you, you paint something, you fix something, and you get it and you look back, you go, ah, it's close enough. God did not do that with you. What God thought, God did. There was nothing different, no difference between who you are and what God thought when he created you. This is who you are. This is whose you are. And here's what you need for the day. Now that's frustrating, isn't it? I want God to give me the host thing. Right? You're going to face a hard time, Mike. Here's everything that you'll need. I'll back the truck up. That's what happens. The manna in Exodus, you got enough manna for the day. You get what you need for the day. Here's the grace you'll need for today. Here's the mercy you'll need for today. Here's the strength you'll need for today. And for that person that you don't think you'll be able to take anymore today, here's a little extra grace for them. We quote Isaiah all the time. You know, Isaiah 40, right? Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up on wings of eagles. Love that. And man, when those moments when you're flying with the eagle, those are incredible moments, aren't they? They will run and not grow weary. I have never run in my life and not gotten tired. That's never happened to me. But some of my running friends tell me that if you run long enough, you hit this second wind. That then when, boy, when, when that hits you, you feel like you can run forever. 
I'm in my car a long time before that, so I don't know. <laughs> you can run and not grow weary. You can walk and not faint. We can put one foot in front of the other and not grow faint. There was a bunch of them, 5,000 men. Did you notice that, ladies? You weren't counted. All the gospel writers want us to know that this was 5,000 men, which means there were easily 10,000 people there. By the time you count spouses, kids, it was an overwhelming number. And I know you look at your life and you go, I don't have it. I don't have enough. That's why Jesus gave us the table to remind us the same way he fed the children in the, in the middle of the wilderness, the same way he broke the bread for the 5,000. He now breaks the bread.